This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, seven months or ten months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good afternoon and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Well, friends, happy September. And it's time to go back to school. I'm planning to fill September with topics that are basic and should be on your checklist. Getting back to a good routine, the value of good sleep, and the newest treatments for obesity. Today, our topic is one I've wanted to cover for a long time, and we have the very best person to do that. Dr. Generoso Grana is a professor of medicine at the Cooper Medical School of Rowan University. She's also the director of the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper. She practices oncology medicine, which means that she's a specialist in cancer care, but she's also certified in genetic testing care, which means this is a woman who never goes to sleep because people think of medical directors as being the person in the pinstripe suit. No, she takes care of patients. And I can say firsthand, about 10 years ago, my sisters were diagnosed with breast cancer. They were identical twins. And they were diagnosed within days of each other. And we have several other family members that have been affected as well. And I went to see Dr. Grana as a patient myself. And I can't rave enough about her, her meticulous attention to my details of history and physical, her impressive fund of knowledge, and most of all, her sincere warmth and kindness as a person. So I think that's why her name, Generosa, is perfect, because she is truly generous. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you so much. That is way, way too kind. But I love taking care of patients, and I find (laughs) genetics utterly interesting and exciting, so I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Well, and then maybe we should start with talking about the definition of a gene, because terms become familiar when we use them a lot or when they're in the news, but I would love to hear your explanation to our listeners 
A gene is a gene and maybe a chromosome. A gene is a piece of information that defines who we are. It is that basic piece of hereditary information that is transmitted from generation to generation. We have somewhere around 80 to 100,000 genes in the human genome, and a lot of work over the last uh, 50 years has gone on to unravel those genes, to identify them, and to identify their function. Genes are strung along a chain uh, in, and make up chromosomes. We have 23 sets of chromosomes that make us human. 22 of them are identical between men and women. And the last pair is different between men and women. Men have an X and a Y chromosome. Women have two X chromosomes. But again, chromosomes are just bundles of genes that are made up of DNA. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about genetic testing, I know sometimes you can study, um, you're looking for mutations sometimes in a gene, or sometimes you're looking for a protein that a gene makes. What are some of the, um, how would you describe genetic testing and what you look for? Genetic testing is basically the process of searching for changes in genes that lead to uh, changes in function that can lead then to disease uh, when a gene is altered or a gene may be missing, uh, as happens with some conditions such as uh, Down syndrome, uh, where a piece of a chromosome entirely is missing, you can have a set of conditions that result from that. Genetic testing is, uh, can be done on a variety of tissues. Uh, the most common form of genetic testing that we think about is in blood. You send a tube of blood, they extract uh, your cells, and they look for these changes in the DNA of your cells. But genetic testing can also be done on samples of skin. We've all seen uh, the exciting uh, television shows where genetic testing finds identity in a hair uh, or a piece of skin skin. Um, saliva is also very commonly used to do testing. Basically, you can do genetic testing on any tissue where you can extract cells and extract the DNA from those cells. In uh, small uh, children in utero, you can do genetic testing on amniotic fluid in the mother's belly, in the uterus, and you can do genetic testing by sampling the early placenta uh, by looking at the, the villi. So again, uh, there are a lot of different options for testing and the specific type of testing depends, number one, on the condition you're looking for. Some require a certain tissue to be done. And it also requires uh, information on um, what's available to you and what's easiest to do. Mm -hmm. So you've already mentioned two of the more common situations that involve genetic testing. A mom might be over a certain age and want to know in advance if the baby she's carrying might have the genetic mutation, as you say, that would lead to Down syndrome or some other issue that might be in the family history, or maybe couples before they try to conceive. They want to see if one or both of them carry a genetic mutation that could lead to issues in their children. Um, and I guess some of the examples might be sickle cell anemia, cystic fibrosis, Tay-Sachs disease. Um, what are some of the other occasions when people would seek 
genetic testing that wouldn't be related to having a baby? Um, so again, in when you have, I think of genetic testing as being done prior to conception, being done, uh, for example, you can select the disease status of a fetus. If you know that there's a condition going on in your family, uh, Tay-Sachs, for example, or BRCA1, if you happen to come from a breast cancer family, you can actually elect to go through an infertility pregnancy and select the embryo that's going to be implanted that doesn't carry that familial mutation. So that's at, at the embryo stage. And then obviously, as you said, hmm. you can test the, uh, the fetus at uh, 15, 18, 20 weeks of gestation. I'm not a pediatrician so, or, or a gynecologist, so I can't tell you the age of amniocentesis. But then you can actually test children depending on clinical situations. If a child is not growing appropriately, has a neurologic condition, uh, or has certain metabolic problems, you can actually test the child to determine what may be the cause of their problem. You can test adults for uh, various uh, health problems, and then you can actually test adults and children for conditions that are hereditary, where the individual doesn't yet have any disease, but has a family history. And based on that family history, you then decide that genetic testing is appropriate. You, in that situation, really have to do a lot of work to piece together the family history to decide what you will test for, to see who the most appropriate individual to test is, because often you want to test an individual who has the condition first rather than testing the family. And finally, and most importantly, it's critically important in those situations that that's accompanied first and foremost by genetic counseling. So when you're dealing with a risk, a condition that predisposes to risk, it's really important that prior to putting your arm out for testing or putting someone else's arm out for testing, that you've counseled the individual about what they're being tested for, what the test entails, what the ramifications of a positive and a negative test might mean so that that individual is prepared emotionally uh, to deal with the results of the test. Sure. And we've, you've raised so many important points. I want to go back and revisit even newborns across the board. All newborns are checked for a condition called PKU. It's a genetic mutation that is very treatable. Um, and it means that, uh, that it's a metabolic condition in which a child um, is not able to break down phenylalanine, which is a, an amino part of a protein. And if it builds up in their system, they can get uh, uh, mental dam brain damage. Um, and uh, the treatment is just avoiding NutraSweet and different uh, food products that have artificial sweetener. That's it. Boom. Easy. But if you don't know and the child's exposed to it, it, it can be a problem. So newborns, couples, and then your big focus, we, we talked about forensic testing as well in cases of not just criminal cases, but paternity cases as well. Um, cancer is your big focus. And you're going to test people who don't have cancer, but they're at high risk. So somebody like me that I have my mom, my twin sisters, nieces, so many people in my family, cousins have had breast cancer, or maybe a cancer patient who has an early diagnosis and you might want to see if they have a more specific uh, issue that has to be addressed. Or as some patients with metastatic or disease that's already spread, um, 
But as you've said so many times, when you're testing a patient with one cancer, it might lead to testing for other cancers that you see in certain situations. So it's remarkable. And um, are there uh, advantages? We, you know, so we talked about advantages to being tested. Are there any disadvantages well, we, that jump out talk, that you remind you know, patients we'll, before they put their arm out? Sure. Uh, we're going to talk uh, later about uh, testing cancer patient testing cancers, specifically the genetic alterations that happen in a cancer and how that can be used. But right now we're talking about heredity. So when you're testing, whether it's a cancer patient or an, a family member for a genetic condition, the implications are different. When you're testing a cancer patient, they already have a diagnosis. The information may tell them that they're at risk for other cancers. So for example, a woman with a BRCA1 mutation has a 50% chance of developing cancer of the opposite breast if she's already had one cancer. She has a chance of developing ovarian cancer. So it will tell that individual about other cancers that they're prone to. Uh, but by and large, they already have a diagnosis. They've already adjusted to that diagnosis. The information may give them useful things uh, with which to treat their cancer. So we now have drugs that are specifically targeted to cancers that have certain mutations. So for the cancer patient, the information is meaningful for themselves, for their future screening, also potentially for that cancer treatment. For the individual that doesn't have cancer, the implications are very different. Um, we have to worry a lot about making sure that they're emotionally prepared for the information because if you're, if we're talking about uh, BRCA1, we're telling a woman she has a 60 to 80% chance of developing breast cancer in her lifetime, a 20 to 40% chance of developing ovarian cancer in her lifetime. So those are very powerful numbers and it is important that the individual wants the information, number one, is ready to receive the information at that point. Uh, so we, not all individuals want the information. You would think, well, it's wonderful. I can be screened. I can do preventative things, but not everyone wants that information and may, they may not want it now. They may want it at a different time in their life. Secondly, I think it's really important that we mm -hmm. and you bring up. I think it's very important that uh, we consider the potential implications in terms of potential for discrimination. So, a cancer patient already has a cancer diagnosis; they are already going to be unable to get life and disability insurance for a while until they've been cancer-free for some time. But for a person who hasn't had a cancer, you're all of a sudden, if they carry a diagnosis, putting them at risk of having problems with life and disability insurance. Uh, there are safeguards that we can talk about, but those are things that really need to be considered uh, in detail. Well said. And with that, stay with us during the break and come back with Dr. Jenny Granoff from MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. At Independence Blue Cross, we believe in giving you the tools you need to pursue your healthiest life. From premiums as low as $0 per month to health discounts and cash rewards, it pays to have coverage with Independence. 
with the strongest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free 24-7 virtual doctor visits, you can feel confident that quality care is always within reach. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. And welcome back to your radio doctor. So pleased to have our guest, Dr. Jenny Grana from the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper. And we're talking about genetic testing, which is such a broad category. And I love how you're able to explain, Jenny, that we do it in different circumstances. Sometimes we want to see the risk for a couple about to conceive a baby, or sometimes uh, there's a family history of a certain disease, like sickle cell anemia, and we want to see the risks. In, But in cancer, boy, there's so many ways it can be helpful because we might um, test a patient who has a cancer and use genetic testing to determine what therapy is better for them or how they respond to therapy. So many, so many um, offshoots that we can discuss as we go along. But... Um, Again, I think when we come up with a new invention and it's around for a while, we, we tend to take it for granted. And genetic testing has really soared. Let's talk a little bit about the evolution because it's relatively new, yes, isn't it? It's very new. So Big advances since the 8th. Dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 1800s, there was a monk named Mendel who studied peas, and all of us learned about Mendel's peas in our biology classes yes. in grade school, probably. Uh, but that is the beginning of the concept of genetics. And over the last 150 years, so much has been identified from uh, what the structure of DNA, um, uh, Watson and Crick and the structure of DNA, uh, to the function of genes, uh, and really it's been a dramatic evolution. Uh, When I finished my fellowship training in 1994, there were five or six genes uh, that were cancer-related that one could test for. And in 1994, Mary Claire King uh, identified BRCA1 or BRCA1. And soon thereafter, BRCA2 was identified. And that was just the beginning of an explosive uh, uh, adventure in terms of the numbers of genes that have been identified. From 94 until 2013, the research was relatively slow because uh, Myriad Genetics held the patent on BRCA1 and 2. So the only way you could have genetic testing was through Myriad Genetics. And in 2013, a case was taken to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court uh, uh, opined that you cannot uh, hold a patent on human genes, that they are uh, in the... uh, Uh, the property of the individual. And that really opened the floodgates to research in genetic testing and to the identification of genes, both for cancer predisposition, but for disease in general. Uh, And the last 15 years have just been really uh, very, very impressive. In 2013, with the um, 
removal of that patent uh, from Myriad Genetics, uh, other companies came to the forefront. And now we have four or five major companies that are doing genetic testing clinically, uh, and they are offering excellent services. We are no longer usually ordering BRCA1 and 2 testing, except for the rare occasion where an individual only wants to know the mutation that their family member has. Uh, typically, we are ordering multi-gene panels, panels that may have anywhere from nine genes to 20 genes to 80 genes that are looking for a multitude of abnormalities in cancer predisposing mm -hmm. genes. So it, the, the field has dramatically changed. It's, it's really fascinating. It sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie actually. So you're at the uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper. What are the cancers that are associated with genetic testing pretty commonly now? You know, in the original or in the original history, it was really breast cancer and ovarian cancer were the two that we primarily dealt with. Colon cancer because of the Lynch syndrome that is related to colon, uterine, ovarian cancer, and other intestinal cancers. But now it's really very broad. Again, it used to be limited by insurance coverage. Uh, you had to meet insurance coverage and it was very restrictive. Now it's become very, very broad. And even individuals who don't have insurance coverage, you can get an excellent multi-gene panel test for about $200. So it's really broadened the scope and allowed many, many various individuals to have testing. I would say that in today's world, uh, breast is really uh, largely many, many patients are having genetic testing. Ovarian cancer, all patients are recommended. Pancreas cancer, all patients are recommended. Uh, metastatic breast cancer, all patients are recommended. Metastatic prostate cancer, all patients are recommended. Early high-grade prostate cancer is recommended. And then in addition to that, other cancers based on the family history and based on the individual cancer itself. So for example, if you see a young individual with a sarcoma, you need to think of Lee-Fraumini syndrome and the syndrome of sarcomas, leukemias, and breast cancer that can occur in those individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, so today, the applications are very, very broad. The number of individuals that can pursue it are wide, uh, and coverage is widely available. Mm -hmm. So as you say, just to remind our listeners, there was a patent and only one company was doing this genetic testing. And I guess you could say that was a monopoly. Now that there are several companies, it has become less expensive as well, which enables better access. And you mentioned metastatic prostate, metastatic breast cancer. That means it has already spread. It's no longer local. And that has different ramifications than somebody who has early disease. Um, so what does a, a listener, what does a patient need to know when they go for genetic testing? You already mentioned it includes very complex medical and emotional issues because, um, so number one, that's why you want to see somebody who's certified as a genetic counselor or physician because we don't want any loose ends. Um, we want to make sure, and correct me uh, if I'm not saying this properly, when you go and somebody says, well, you have breast cancer, let's check for BRCA. Since 1990, since 2013, the door has opened. We know so much more. So A, you might uh, need genetic testing from your family history, even if you don't have BRCA in there, because 
there may be a gene yet to be identified, right? So number one, family history, family history, family history. Even if you don't have a gene on paper um, that, or a mutation that's been diagnosed. And um, you also, um, so if somebody sends you for testing and they haven't considered the whole chessboard and you spend money on that just BRCA, you might find out later you're supposed to have other tests included and you've shot your insurance coverage. Am I saying that well? Yes, absolutely. I think it's really important when you go, first of all, I think it's really critical that physicians talk to their patients about family history because um, that's how you identify who's at risk. And when you think about what screening should be done and and how a patient should be managed. So it really begins, it all begins with the family history. But um, it's important to know your family history when you go for genetic testing. It's important that you meet with a counselor who's knowledgeable about the field and can guide you through the testing process to select the cancer that's right for you. I may just be thinking, oh, I have a family history of breast cancer, but I miss that other, those other family members that have other cancer types that I need to include my panel uh, in. So for example, uh, you can decide Mm -hmm. if you want a 20 gene panel that focuses on breast and ovarian cancer, but you might want to do more genes that add colorectal cancer if you have colon in your family. So the genetic counselor working with their physician counterparts are going to guide you in the selection of the right panel. They're going to guide you in terms of obtaining insurance approval. And, and they also know the nuances. For example, if you've had a bone marrow transplant, there are some specific issues. You can't just have blood typically to do genetic testing. Those are individuals where you might want a sample of skin or other to do a more fine-tuned testing. So the counselor is really an incredible guide in terms of the whole process. And they're also going to walk you through the emotional repercussions of a test, how to prepare for that. And they're going to give you when all is said and done and when they share the results of the information with you, they're going to give you resources that will help you in the decision-making process. Because obviously, you get a test, but then once you have the test, you have to make decisions about what to do with the test, how to disseminate that information to your family, what healthcare decisions do you need to make, what preventive actions do you need to take. Um, So that all has to be thought about before you actually order the blood test so that you're prepared. So you want somebody who's so well-versed that they think of those nuances, because as you say, um, insurance, your future health insurance could, you could face some discrimination because this is on your record. And if it doesn't really change what you do so much, in other words, a positive reason to have genetic testing, let's say you have a sibling with breast cancer, a sister with breast cancer, then I will have to go start screening at an earlier age, especially with mine, my mom, my two sisters, cousins and all. I go, I started at an earlier age and I might go back with, say, colon cancer, colon pops. Instead of waiting every 10 years, I might go every five years. So the when you start, how often you return, and all those issues really depend if you have the luxury of the information. The negative is possible discrimination. Yes. And you brought up a great example the other day. If a, if a, a, a young a teenager finds out that her mom has BRCA, you're probably not going to have to worry about breast cancer or ovarian cancer in her till her 20s. So do you want to test her and make her really anxious when she's 
just struggling getting through high school and all the all those challenges or do you want to wait a little bit i mean there has to be some good judgment involved as well yes yeah there are conditions where we have to test children because there are um, cancers and conditions that they need to be prepared for and screened for. And that's the, the, some of the endocrine syndromes entail testing of adolescents and children. But by and large for the adult cancer syndromes, the BRCA's, the PALB2's, the Lynch, you have the luxury of waiting till the individual is 18, 20, 22. Many of those screening guidelines are a little bit into the 20s. So you really do have the luxury to let that individual make the decision themselves of when they're ready for testing and and to th that they're an adult and able to handle the information. Mm -hmm. Let's take a little break and we'll be back on your radio doctor with Dr. Jenny Grana. And now for your real champion, I call this segment the Mask Crusader. The COVID pandemic provoked many emotions, fear, sadness, anxiety, loneliness, but not all of the feelings were negative. Some people reflected on the chaos that surrounded them and realized how very good life was before the virus came to town and emerged more grateful. I'll quote my mother, Antoinette Keating Ritchie, a person who faced adversity with true courage and grace. When she carried a worry about herself, a family member or friend, she'd say, I'm being tested. And she'd put her trust in the Lord and ask for the right tools to meet the challenge. Recently, I had the pleasure to meet Frances Lee, who has a very similar philosophy. She's the executive assistant at the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper, which means she is really busy, and she lends her love and energy to help some very sick and very worried patients on a daily basis. At the height of the pandemic, her boss gave Frances a dual challenge. Collect masks for the staff in the community, and feed the staff at the test sites. Remember all those places where nurses and doctors wore spacesuits for shifts lasting up to 12 hours doing nasal swabs to test for COVID? You can guess how hard their work was and how unpopular they were. I know when I was swabbed, it felt like they were getting a sample from my brain. Well, Cooper had two test sites, one in Camden and one in Cherry Hill with long weekday shifts and they were also open on both weekend days. Francis went right to social media with both requests for masks and food. Her efforts exceeded all expectations. Her goal was to acquire 15,000 masks, but within months, she received close to 20,000 from around the world, Europe, Asia, a New York designer, a dress shop owner on Rittenhouse Square. She was also overwhelmed with donations of food from local restaurants in Philly and Camden. Now remember, lots of people stayed in their safe homes and had food delivered, but there was a shortage of delivery people because some restaurants had to cut staff and some delivery people quit due to fear. Enter superstar Frances Lee. She donned a pair of scrubs, a lab coat, a big face shield, and this masked mask crusader went to each restaurant herself, focused and fearless. Between the onset of lockdown in March through July, 
Not a day passed that she couldn't provide meals for the staff at the testing sites. The true gravity of her mission hit home when she asked her son to pick up food. When Francis arrived to help him, she saw that he was in a veritable suit of armor, a reflection of his own fear, and she was so proud of his willingness to help. So what moves Francis to be so heroic? So what moved Francis to be so heroic? What fuels her to work so hard in a cancer office every day? Well, Frances has spent her career in healthcare in many medical centers, and she says, you have to meet the right people in your life to motivate you. And for Frances, that started on day one. The values of the golden rule were instilled by her dad, who was a pastor, and her mom, a school teacher. Her mother taught in the inner city, so she was more than a teacher. She also functioned as a social worker and another mother to students who had issues at home. She would buy them clothes, bring their clothes home to wash them, do their hair. And she taught Francis and her brother the value of sharing. And when mom would give some of their clothes away, she'd remind her children, don't let on that you realize that shirt or jacket was yours. Let them have pride and not the stigma of wearing a hand-me-down. She's also very grateful to work side by side with Dr. Jenny Grana, a doctor with an extraordinary dedication to helping her patients at the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper. Francis says, it's all about grace. I grew up in Camden and was blessed to live on a good block. I had a wonderful childhood and never felt poor. The majority of our friends are still close. We share memories and come together for birthdays. I feel very blessed. Frances was especially proud about the success of collecting the masks. What she didn't need for staff, she gave to her community. Churches, senior centers, housing projects. One large donation of plain blue ones went to the police department and to nuns in a convent. She was truly moved by the responses of so many donors, most of them strangers with no connection to Cooper or Camden, just good people who wanted to help good people like Francis Lee. We salute you, Francis Lee, your real champion. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. Welcome back to Your Radio Doctor. We are learning so much about genetic testing and when to reach for it and what we can learn from it. We're here with Dr. Jenny Grana from the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper, Jenny, welcome back. Uh, we were talking about all the advantages of the information, but but buyer beware. There are some 
instances where if it's going to make you more anxious and not really change uh, what we recommend for you, you might wait till later age. Um, although obviously there are situations when little children do have to be tested. So that brings up another question that I think is in the minds of our listeners. What's the difference between testing a person at risk for a mutation versus finding a tumor, say we with colon cancer, we test the tumor for mutations. Can you help us understand that? That's really a fascinating story that's sort of evolved over the last 10 years. Uh, for the longest time, we tested blood, we tested for heredity, and then really the understanding that cancers are cells that have acquired genetic abnormalities, genetic alterations. So the definition of hereditary testing is called germline testing because you're looking at all of those cells that gave rise to the individual. Whereas when we talk about tumor testing, we're talking about somatic testing. We're talking about tumor cells that have developed from your own germline, but have evolved and have acquired genetic abnormalities. So the concept of tumor testing is what gave rise to this new age of uh, precision medicine, personalized medicine, uh, next generation sequencing. All of those are the terminologies that are used when we talk about testing a piece of tumor that is derived from the individual and looking for the variety of genetic abnormalities that have happened in that cancer that are present in that cancer. And we test tumors uh, not because of any information, because it may not have implications for the family, but we test tumors because we want to know uh, whether there are abnormalities to which we have drugs that can be targeted. Uh, for example, certain uh, cancers uh, uh, are specifically treated with drugs based on a genetic abnormality. Um, and then we also do that kind of testing because we can enroll patients onto clinical trials based on what we find. Uh, in the past, you used to enroll breast cancer patients into breast cancer trials and colon cancer patients into colon cancer trials. And now where you've gotten to an area where you may enroll a variety of cancer patients into a trial that's looking at a drug that targets a specific mutation that can be found in colon, breast, ovary, and other cancers. So it really uh, has broadened this concept of uh, finding the 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 Trojan horse for that cancer, if you will, finding the weak spot of that cancer that we can target with a specific drug. Now, the problem is, uh, the well, although we're very excited about this, this hasn't gotten quite as far as we'd like. Many times you test the tumor and you don't find any genetic abnormality. Other times you don't find any genetic abnormality to which you have a drug that can be targeted or you don't find any genetic abnormality to which there is a clinical trial. So although we are doing a lot of testing of cancers and almost every advanced cancer is now a game for this, um, the yield is not always as high as we'd like it to be. And again, this is for advanced cancers. This is not typically for early stage cancers. Mm -hmm. So when we're testing a patient or a person, we're looking for their genetic makeup that they've that makes them Mary Smith or John Jones. But when we test a tumor, those nasty little tumor cells have a genetic mind of their own and they have their own DNA that can have certain markers that tell us 
just like maybe her positive or the certain markers that we talk about breast cancer, perhaps. And that if somebody's correct, so in breast cancer, there is currently a test where, and we've evolved from having to test the tumor to now being able to find tumor-derived DNA in blood, so we yep. can actually search the blood for tumor derived DNA. And for example, in the breast cancer arena, there's a drug currently just approved two months ago, uh, LSSTRANT, that depends on finding a genetic abnormality in an estrogen receptor in that tumor-derived DNA. Um, microsatellite instability in colon cancer is one of the criteria that you can use to get pembrolizumab, one of the immunotherapies approved. So we are able to pinpoint some changes in a cancer that can be useful in predicting effectiveness of a drug. Well, and so for our listeners, so there's a tumor and instead of, um, let's say the tumor was removed some time ago, and this is a test that's become available, um, maybe you can test the person's blood to see if there's little filaments of this abnormal DNA that are still in their system. Wouldn't it be great if there were a blood test that could test for colon polyps or colon cancer and not pe put people through uh, the invasive colonoscopy. Yeah. So, yeah. So that is research, happening. That research is ongoing. You know, um, we now have on the market a couple of tests uh, that are commercially available, quite pricey, and still I think the data is not quite there yet. But um, like seventy percent pickup rate. Yeah. 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 So in the yeah, future, they pick you up may some, but do a blood test. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's cool if I'm correct that AI, artificial intelligence, or we can use uh, computer analysis to pick up the teeniest particles in the blood. So maybe that's one of the positive uses for AI. AI have to admit, kind of scares me because I, <laughs> if it falls in the wrong hands or is used to, and I wonder. Uh, this is another entire show how much we've delayed our work because of COVID and lockdown and we're so behind um, in cancer screenings. But um, I think the other question that's important for people to get a better grapple on is um, how does genetic testing ordered by a physician like you or a, a genetic counselor uh, who's certified in genetic testing, how does that differ from the tests that are out there in the public domain, which involve you sending your saliva to those companies advertised on TV? Yeah, there are several That's companies that have made it something really I wouldn't do. Yeah, I wouldn't either. But there are several companies that have made it very sexy to uh, test, send your, your spit sample. And it's very simple. You spit into a test tube and you send it. Yep. And uh, get your ancestry mm -hmm. uh, and get your 23andMe. Uh, and some of them include information in a limited way about diseases. Others don't. I think the concern about those testing companies is what they will do with your sample once they're done, because there's very little protection for Exactly. You. Once your genetic information is in their hands, they then have a lot of uh, freedom to do with it as they will, as opposed to the commercial labs. The commercial labs, uh, for example, uh, Myriad, Ambry, um, Invite, and several others have gone through strict 
testing criteria. They have strict controls um, that really, you know up front what they're doing. They have limits on the research that's being done. And again, the information that you're getting is truly reliable. We see patients that do testing on, on platforms like 23andMe or Color, and when they come in, we typically retest those individuals in a commercial accredited lab because we're not absolutely confident that of the information. So I do think you need to be certain of where you're getting your testing. And you and just absolutely aware. Yeah, because your saliva uh, and that info could be out in cyberspace. And I had a patient who told me that her husband had given a specimen when they were trying to conceive. And some years later, a knock at the door, you know, he has a child out there, not by activity, but because his sperm was either used inappropriately uh, because it was healthy, et cetera. And you're hearing these stories. There was, yeah. there's all kinds of yeah, and, and, not yeah, healthy you know, stories out there. So buyer Absolutely. beware. And as really you said, even when it's of who you're giving your specimen to and what it's going to be uh, used for in the future. And get somebody who really knows to look at the consent form when you sign it and really be able to go with the nuances. So are, I guess the other big question is, are there limitations to genetic testing in the sense that um, if you have a positive test for a gene mutation, it doesn't guarantee you're going to get the disease. Whew. You know, but as we said earlier, say with cancer, it might mean you'd start your screening at an earlier age or go back more often or tell other family members. But even if a test is negative, you could still be at risk for the condition. So, so how do we package yeah. that? So the first and most important thing is that the majority of cancers are not hereditary. I would say probably 70% of cancers are due to things that we don't understand, 20% of cancers have a family history, but no gene abnormality. And only 10% of most cancers are truly hereditary. You can track it generation to generation to generation. So uh, the most important thing is that you need to be aware of your risk, regardless of your genetics. But you're right. You're absolutely right. Depending on the gene, uh, the uh, risk of cancer varies. Some genes are almost 100% penetrant, meaning if you have the gene, 100% of the time or close to 100%, uh, you're going to develop a cancer. That's the case with Lee-Framini syndrome and P53. On the other hand, for BRCA1 and 2, the risk is 60 to 80%. So 20% of women who carry one of those genetic abnormalities will not develop a cancer in their lifetime. So why not? Is it because they had other protective genes uh, that they inherited also? Is it that they didn't live long enough to develop a cancer? Is it that they had some protective mm. factors in their environment? or in their lifestyle that protected them. We don't know. So I think part of the whole process is making sure that people understand the, these percentages because it's hard for, for people to, to put a percentage and a risk uh, together sometimes, but it is not an absolute. Having a mutation is not an absolute. And you can be negative. You can have a very, very striking family history, be negative, and still tell that woman, you come from a hereditary family. We don't know what the gene is, and the future will guide us and help us find what that gene may be, but you're still incredibly high risk. So uh, you still need to be proactive. Exactly. In my own case, I have to go for more frequent checkups because my family tree is polka dotted with cases. And so I look back when I was a fellow 
And uh, a year after I finished the HIV, the virus that causes human immunodeficiency was isolated. And we learned so much about the immune system that has to help us with studying cancer, treating cancer, um, and looking for response to therapies. What have we learned, do you think, from COVID? Because of all the research and the data, I think it's yet to be determined. We have to tease it all out to see what we've learned because that the immune system rules, whether it's cancer yes. or the inflammation from a virus. And do we target the virus and keep it from replicating or do we tell the immune system to back off a little? What's your generic kind of response to that? Well, I think we've learned, the one thing we've seen is that we've delayed cancer screenings quite a bit and we're going to see people, uh, a number of people will die uh, because of lack of diagnosis and, and, and lack of screening mm -hmm. for that period of time when mm -hmm. things shut down. But uh, the delays, I think, were very real and we're finally catching up. But I do think that uh, like everything else before it, like HIV, I think our understanding of COVID and, and how to manage it is going to help us as we identify drugs, the RNA vaccine process, all of that is going to help us as we unravel some of these mm -hmm. stories. Let's take a little break and we'll be back for a wrap up with Dr. Jenny Grana. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Hi, my name is Bobby Bunyan, CEO of Recovery Centers of America at Bracebridge Hall. And for today, you're an addiction expert here from RCA. I'm here to talk to you today about how to know if you have a substance abuse disorder. Substance abuse disorders are a condition characterized by the persistent use of drugs and alcohol despite having negative consequences. If you're concerned that you may have a substance abuse disorder or know someone that does, here are some things to look for. First is tolerance, that you need to take more of the substance to get the same effect. The next is withdrawal symptoms. When you stop taking the substance, does your body experience physical or psychological symptoms such as anxiety, irritability, shaking, sweating, nausea, insomnia? Are you neglecting responsibilities? You may neglect responsibilities at work, school, home because of your substance abuse. Are you having interpersonal problems? You may have problems in your relationships with family, friends, coworkers due to your substance abuse. And lastly, are you using despite having negative consequences? Do you continue to use even though it's causing problems in your life like legal issues, health issues, financial difficulties? If you are experiencing any of these signs, it's important to seek professional help. Recovery Centers of America can assess your symptoms and provide guidance on the appropriate treatment options for you. If you or a loved one needs help with drugs or alcohol, reach out to Recovery Centers of America at 833-969-0268 or visit rcaradiodoctor.com. That's R-C-A-R-A-D-I-O-D-R.com. We answer the phone and admit patients 24-7. I'm always striving to live my healthiest life, so I need a health plan that has my back. With Independence Blue Cross, I get access to the largest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free virtual doctor visits 24-7. Plus, with premiums as low as $0 per month, I can stay on top of my health and keep my budget in check. Independence has given me coverage I can count on, and they'll do the same for you. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. And welcome back to your radio doctor for our final segment, which we call your weekly prescription. It has been such a treat to have you, Jenny. We're here with Dr. Jenny Grana from the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper. And we've learned so much about genetic testing for hereditary diseases, 
for cancer detection and therapies. What's your take-home message for our listeners, Jenny? I'm a big believer in knowing your family history. So if I had to send you uh, out with a message, I would be, uh, it would be know your family history and discuss your family history with your family and with your healthcare provider. With your family, because you will each have some pieces of information and together you can put the grid together uh, and understand the real pattern of your family. Some of you may know some pieces, aunts, uncles, others of you will know others. But it's really critical that you discuss it with your primary care provider because they can help you decide if you need genetic testing um, or not, if you need uh, specific screening uh, and what that screening would look like. So, for example, we've talked a lot about uh, doing genetic testing and uh, a plus, a positive and a negative. So let me give you an example of a woman who has not had cancer but carries a mutation in one of the breast cancer genes. That woman has to then put a plan together that will encompass screening. Uh, we recommend MRI and mammogram yearly. Uh, careful breast exams. Uh, depending on the gene, her ovaries may uh, need to be removed when she's completed childbearing. Um, she has to have a discussion about the pros and cons of prophylactic removal of the breast. Angelina Jolie made this sound very easy, but it is not at all easy to talk to a woman about removing healthy breasts to prevent cancer, and many women will not choose that option. But I think the key is that she needs to know that it is an option. So for the woman who has the mutation, we go down the route of screening, surgical prevention, careful attention. For the woman who doesn't have a mutation but still has a family history, uh, there are actually models that we will calculate that will help us predict her risk of developing cancer. And we can then determine, again, does she still need MRI to screen? Um, there are currently medications that are FDA approved to lower risk of breast cancer if you are high risk enough. So many women don't want to take a a pill and it may mm. not be appropriate for them at this point in their life, but at least it's information that they should gather. So I would say that for the, uh, the most important lesson is really to um, know your family history and discuss it. For the cancer patient, I would say make sure you've discussed genetics with your uh, oncologist. Uh, the world of cancer genetics has changed, and whereas in the past it may not have been appropriate for you, it may now be appropriate for you. So I often go back and revisit the option of genetic testing mm -hmm. with patients. So it is a new world. We're likely to really advance, uh, but there's a lot you can do. Mm -hmm. And I always remind my patients, especially if they're Jewish, and so just as a, for instance, Ashkenazi Jewish women, am I right? About one in 400 women might have the mutation, the BRCA mutation, one in 30 Ashkenazi Jewish. So it's more than 10 times. So know that information. Um, it's out there. And the next time you get together for Thanksgiving dinner or family barbecue, don't be afraid to ask what yeah. happened to and I, I grandma actually think or it's, Aunt Sally? It's actually men and women. Jewish men can carry the mutation. Yes. They can transmit it to their daughters, and they themselves have a risk if they carry it of prostate cancer and breast cancer. So it is a, a male and female process. Jenny, what number would people call if they wanted to be seen at the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper or 
the Cooper Genetic Center? Uh, we have a wonderful team of five genetic counselors and several physicians. The number is 855-632-2667. And you can also find us on the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper uh, website. Beautiful. Dr. Jenny Grana, what a gift to have you in the area. And I'm sure a lot of people have learned really important information today. And if they want to be seen at Cooper, either the Cancer Center, the MD Anderson Cancer Center, or Cooper Genetics, 855-632-2667. That will go on our newsletter and our website. Thank you so much. I'm sure we're going to need you to come back very soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us every Saturday at 5 p.m. here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Today we started a little past 5 p.m. because we followed the Penn State Nittany Lions football game. Next week, the show will be starting a little after 6 p.m. following Penn State football. So remember, keep your dial on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT for Penn State, followed by your radio doctor. Such an important topic, sleep medicine. In the coming weeks, we'll also review what's important as we enter the fall and return to our regular schedule. Even if you're not of school age, September's a great time for people of all ages to pause and reflect and promise yourself to add a little more discipline to your everyday formula. Make sure you're getting enough sleep, cut back on excess alcohol, Get the necessary help if you need to stop smoking. And especially while the fall weather's cooperating, shake your groove thing and get out there and take a walk. Because September is the month when we focus on healthy aging and decreasing risk for obesity, especially in children. Less time playing video games, more time playing outside. This is your radio doctor wishing you a happy, healthy, and safe week with the ones you love and always here to remind you that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered.